Hey, everybody, it's Eric from Barrel and Hatchet. Uh, today I have Brass Facts here with me, and we are actually doing our one of our first episodes that has a guest. We're going to be doing this on Spotify. So if you're joining us now or you're listening to this, um, welcome. Tyler, or Tyler is currently out of uh, the studio, and so is Roy. So it is just me. Um, Roy may jump in later, but I want to hand it over to Brass Facts. Hey, thanks for coming on the channel. And uh, if you would, just give a quick introduction about what you do, who you are, and how great that stash looks. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think you can see the stash on Spotify, but uh, <laughs> it's got, it's gotten a little bit out of control. A little, little caterpillar. I can, my... he, I can hear how great it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, I'm just a, a straight up, just a dude that you know grew up on gun YouTube in the, uh, you know, the, the 20, 2014 era, you know, the first gun scare got into, got into guns, grew up on many of the old gun tubers. And then one day I was like, Hey, I think there is a, some things I want to do within that sphere that I don't think is being addressed. I'm just mm. going to pick up a camera, give it a go. And, uh, we'll see, see where we go. So nothing really special, just a dude with a camera that sometimes shoots guns, talks way too much. And, uh, Wow, so so you so you actually got into the gun community in like 2014? Yeah, approximately. Wow, wow, that's great. What was your first gun actually that you got? Uh, first gun was I don't remember the exact name. It was a Walther. Uh, their their budget like PPQ it was like a P, P PPX or something. I think it was yeah. called. Yeah, and that was a piece of junk. I had to return that immediately. <laughs> like with it, like like hey, Cabell's next day. Like uh, yeah. this thing sucks. It doesn't work. Uh, and crazy. then I bought a bought an XDM, and then immediately afterwards a Stag AR15. Um, okay, wow, wow. Oh. So like <laughs> when you what was what was kind of some of your whenever you bought the Stag, like what what kind of references were you going off of to kind of do your research to kind of get into the gun community, kind of into shooting yeah. yourself? I was super behind the power curve because I had super liberal parents, and uh, most people don't know this, but I didn't grow up in the U.S. I've only been in the U.S. about nine years now total. Oh wow. Um, and that's the last consecutive nine years. So I, I was way behind the power curve, but I had the old trusted nut and fancy air 15 part oh, wow. five to, uh, guide me through, uh, content back in the day. I mean, you, you probably remember back in the day, mm -hmm. um, kind of topical, but James, uh, or, uh, uh, James Yeager, rest in peace. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. like. Uh, Haas USMC, I remember, like, uh, Travis Haley was, like, really big back, I swear, bigger back then with the Magpul Dynamic stuff. Oh, yeah. And then, obviously, nothing fancy. And that that's what we had back then. Yeah. And uh, that, that's kind of where I started and, and, and went from there. So, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I remember, actually, when I first really started getting into shooting, I remember one of my buddies, I'm obviously shooting since the military, but, like, one of my buddies comes over and he's like, dude, you got to check out this kid. He's super fast. He's drawing from like his crotch area. His name's Lucas. And I was like, wow, this kid's super skinny and he's super quick. Like what's going on with this kid? I remember that's what kind of like drove me towards like, okay, what can I learn from performance-based shooting? Um, and so it was actually kind of Lucas from watching his T-Rex arms video from a team member of mine uh, that was like, hey, this kid's pretty quick. So uh, before he's I know moderately it, moderately fast. <laughs> yeah, he's moderately fast. People are like, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure he's speeding up his videos. And I'm like, ah, I mean, it seems like it's legit. But um, yeah, I mean, 
that's that's something that's really interesting is we get a lot of questions. I'm sure that you on your channel get a lot of questions about almost is a very common is like, what do I buy? And it's like, I don't, how do you answer that question? You know, like it's uh, impossible. Like, it's an impossible question. You, you have to do a lot of assumptions about like reading between the lines about what people, yeah, it, it's tough. Yeah. So kind of, kind of going back and thinking about like what, what you were, what questions you were asking and what kind of research you were kind of leaning towards to kind of tailor where you wanted to go when it comes to purchasing fire, purchasing firearms, or I would even say like equipment gear, um, what you needed to get to be prepared. What were some of those questions that you were kind of asking yourself in back in 2014? Um, I mean, the issue was I probably wasn't asking myself those questions. Right. Mm. And we see that now we saw it back then. A lot of it was just imitation, right? I didn't sure. know what I didn't know, and I didn't know what I needed. I just you know, felt like I wanted an AR-15 because I felt, you know, I needed an AR-15 in my life for whatever. I don't even remember why. Um, all I knew was, I, well, you need one. Yeah. So I got one, and part of it was just like, uh, hey, I, I wanted to mess with guns. I lived in Japan before this, so no guns. Uh, yeah. So I really wanted to, to get in the, uh, into that. So back then, I, you know, I, I didn't really... I was fortunate that I did a lot of uh, backpacking, camping, survival stuff. So at least I had mm. that squared away. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't really know what I did needed. Um, and I and I mentioned nothing fancy earlier. Say what you will yeah. about him, right? His long-windedness, everything. But at least back in the day, he was a fairly good point to getting started yeah. on. Because back then, everyone wanted, and we still see that now, wanted the do-it-all rifle. We were seeing these 15-pound monstrosities. <laughs> and he was preaching like... Focus on, he didn't say it specifically, but like focus on the mission, focus yeah. on what you want to do and firepower versus mobility, all of these nothing fancyisms. And at least back then, that was fairly untread, uh, unexplored ground. And uh, that, that kind of started me off. Sort of a kind of got detoured there, but yeah. So it, so looking now, you know, back at, at 2014, you, what questions or what, what advice would you give yourself kind of starting off? Like, hey, here's what you need to start doing to kind of go in the right direction. Yeah. Um, there's two parts to it. The first part is I, you have to realize you got, you got to learn by, by doing right. Mm. Um, there's yeah. only so much you can do. And fortunately right now, the, the quality of information, the aggregate average level of information is really high relative to where it used to be. Right. Cause back then, like the, the whole concept of sling light flashlight, whatever on the gun, that was not a thing back then. Right? Yeah, yeah. Seeing a flashlight on a gun, you almost never saw it. And if you did, it was an uh, Amazon or not even Amazon, like a gas station special on a yeah, yeah. 30, <laughs> 30 mil thing with like some tape wrapped around it. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of that, uh, even now you, you gotta, you gotta figure out what makes sense for you. But I think mm. the biggest, biggest thing that I, I finally picked up on was um, understand that firearms and then preparedness, which is the larger category you know, firearms is a subset of preparedness if you view firearms in that way, right? If it's competition, right. obviously not. Right. But it's a journey. Yeah. Right? I think everyone is under this impression that I need this thing and I need it now, right? And that leads to poor purchasing decisions. It mm. leads them to not doing the research. It leads them to not really understanding, you know, what they need. Right? Mm. Like, oh, what? So, hey, I want to get into long range. Let, let me buy a 6.5 Creedmoor. It's like, hey, maybe maybe you should, you know, gain some experience and figure out what you need for long range. Do you mm. uh, Stuff like that. Or 
for kids. Like, hey, should I buy this, 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 or this first? Well, it's like, hey, maybe go hiking and figure that out. Like, start figuring out what you need and then building upon it. Like I said, it's, it's, right. it's a journey. And, like, everyone in the gun industry knows this feeling. I'm going to buy this, and then my stuff is complete, and I'm done. Yeah. And it's never going to be like that. Ever. No, you have to understand ever. that that it's not the last item. So take it slow and really figure out what you need and build on that over time, and you'll be much more satisfied. A small subcomponent of that is, you know, the buy once, cry once, because I get it. I was a poor shit. Well, I'm still poor shit. But I was a poor <laughs> shit. Call, yeah. uh, I was a poor shit college student. Yeah. And it's like, man, I need a new optic but I yeah. can't afford an optic this month or next month. And yep. the thing is like, I want to be done now. So I need to go buy the thing now. But mm. the reality is maybe I should wait and buy what makes sense for me at the time and understand that I'm not going to be done next year. I'm not going to be done next week. I'm not going to be done in the next five years. I need to think long-term. That's just not guns, but preparedness in general. So I know this was a very broad way of addressing what gear to buy, but I think so many people want to be done now Mm. It, it compromises their viewpoint of what gear to buy, how they should approach training, so on and so forth. Yeah. And I think that's something also, also that you bring up some really good points. And I think that a lot of people want very specific subjects about what they're researching at the time. And so, mm -hmm. I think what needs to happen across different channels and it's something that we want to try and bring is instead of saying, hey, this is a recce rifle, this is what it looks like, and this is what you should buy. It's like, no, you, you need to have the mindset to identify your needs and then you make a purchasing decision based off of the needs for you specifically. So mm -hmm. kind of like you're saying, like, you know, you identifying your needs based off of where you're at right now, it is a journey and not just going pigeonholed into one thing based off of what one person says or what one influencer says, or uh, you went to a training at one, one time and the instructor's like, this is what you should get. It's like, no, I need to take what they're saying with a grain of salt and then apply it to my life and say, um, you know, right now I can afford this. I can't afford you know, everything at once. So I need to prioritize what's important right now, what I need right now, based off of the research that I've done um, that pretty much fills in the equation for what my needs are. So I think that's something that I've noticed and, and Roy and I have noticed, you know, something is a lot of people just want the answer. What scope should I get? Or, you know, what bag should I buy? Should I get a plate carrier? Should I get a chest rig? Should I get a this? Should I get a that? And it's like, well, hey, man, like <laughs> if I live in an urban area or a suburban neighborhood or something like that, or I have a lot of supply, it, you, whatever your life brings you, I'm never going to tell you go buy this specifically because you're not me and I'm not you. So um, you can I always give recommendations, but it's not going to be a great answer. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Like, I think it's help teaching somebody how to fish instead of giving them a fish. Yeah. yeah um, sure. So um, now as far as, you know, kind of what's been interesting is to see, we, we've seen the industry since 2014, kind of when you came in, and, and I've seen this as well, we've gone from shorter rifle systems to now everybody wants to get longer. So like, have you kind of seen that shift and where do you think it's going to head next? Oh, oh yeah. Um, I think it's because I, I don't know the exact reason I, I could, I could theorize and say some unflattering things or flattering things about the industry. Um, like trend, trend chasing, mm. right? We see it everywhere. It's, it's not just, it's absolutely not just the firearms industry. This is not unique to us. It's yep. something we observe uh, everywhere. 
Yeah. Even in professional spaces, um, our attention span is small. Um, so to answer the question of like, where do I see this going? I, I think we're just going to keep going in a circular path. But the the upside, the the silver lining is uh, having started back then. But by no means is 2014 all that long ago. But uh, you, you can't see this because I have a camera, but we're we're kind of doing these larger circles. You know, the industry is circular, but these right. circles are shrinking over time. We're, we're narrowing in on higher quality information each iteration of the circle. Mm. Right? So th there is some there is some benefit to where the industry is, you know, circular in nature because a setup in 2014, be it a short barreled or long rifle, long barreled rifle setup is absolutely kind of primitive compared to setups we see nowadays. Right. Right. So right now, short barreled rifles, not cool anymore. Right. Yeah. I think we'll come back to short barreled rifles again. And with the knowledge we've gained from, you know, running long barreled rifles, we'll have a better short barreled rifle. So, yeah. So personally for me, yeah, we'll probably go back to short barreled rifles eventually because uh, contrary to what I do on my channel, I'm a big fan of short barreled rifles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same. And I, I think that <laughs> it's it's almost one of those things where I think also the quality of, um, you know, on, honestly, I think it's conflict based. You know, a lot of what the community is going towards is is definitely based off of conflict. So, like, you know, you had that that global war on terror type of conflict that was yeah. kind of influencing everything from beards to Mark guns. Mark 18 so hot right Mark now. Mark 18, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so now it's like, you go to you. You look at you. What's happening in Ukraine? You, what's happening over there? And it's like those guys are rocking full length. AK, like I'm at AKs and FALs and mm -hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and I think that the the community is kind of also influenced based off of. I think the um, like you said, the amount of information that we're getting right now is of such higher quality. Um, and I think it's going in a positive direction where it's not like. Hey, here's my background. Here's what I did. And I'm resting on the laurels of my past to be able to give me credibility. It's like, no, cool. Thanks for that. But I need to see performance. I need to see, I need to see results as to why what you're saying is valid. And what's, what's standing true is, is the, the systems that are being utilized by people who have valid opinions because that they're doing what they do and not just, Hey, do as I say, not as I, as I do. Um, is is proving to be more evident. So, mm -hmm. the um, th this is a whole podcast topic, um, in of of itself. But combat experience is absolutely a a really valuable thing to have because that's the ultimate culmination of gun skills. Yeah, is to be used in a dynamic fight, for the lack of yeah. a better term, tactical. Mm -hmm. That's what the word tactical means. But there is also something to be said about. A lot of the military people, and I mean this very respectfully, have been in the military for a long time, and they're unable yeah. to shift their frame of reference to a civilian lifestyle. Correct. Um, in terms of their training, yeah. So they they absolutely understand the firefight part, but they don't understand, and and even the firefight part is questionable when you think about what you have access to in the military versus outside of the military. Yeah. So that that's something I've really tried to address on my channel. I talk to a lot of uh, combat vets um, and, and stuff like that, right? Some of it, yes, it's very useful, but a lot of times we miss out the relevance for like a civilian, right? We don't have CASAVAC. We don't have fire support on demand. 
depending what you're preparing for, our ROE is drastically different. Um, the, the list goes on. And um, yeah, that kind of speaks to what you're, what you're saying. It's the quality of the information is becoming more and more important, which is nice because going back to that 2014 thing, right? Like that was absolutely an era of, if you're not, you know, we, GWAT is ongoing, search is just wrapping up. If you're not yeah. a combat vet, whatever the, whatever you say is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what's crazy is like, as I, I am a combat veteran myself, and I can say like, if you're not, if you have decided like, hey, I've reached the pinnacle of being able to learn anything because my experiences trump anything and I don't need to take in new knowledge, then you're going to get left behind. Like at the end of the day, like you need to, if you want to be, you know, relevant, you have to constantly seek out training, no matter what your past is. Um, but, and, and that's something that we talk about, you know, in terms of vetting your instructors, um, I combat experiences has its place, but one thing that conflict has taught us is no conflict is the same. So the future conflict will be completely different than what the GWAT was. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What I experienced, what I experienced is going to be completely different from the next fight that comes. And so I think some, one thing that I think maybe that there is a, there is a divide that I have sensed as a vet and uh, as uh, between regular you know, normal everyday guy, and I'm a normal everyday guy now. So like a citizen and the veteran community, there's starting to grow, be this gap that grows. And I feel like vets who have that experience or soft veterans or combat veterans or whatever need to start taking the initiative and saying, hey, we're going to bridge the gap. I'm not going to gatekeep information, right? I'm not going to gatekeep, oh, this is for law enforcement only. Oh, this is for military only. It's like, no, you need to share that knowledge. Still quit gatekeeping that knowledge. And pass that on to normal citizens. Because at the end of the day, why are we training in kit? Like, let's be honest. Is it really for the CrossFit games or tactical games or whatever? Why are we wearing night vision? Like, why are we utilizing combat equipment um, and training with that's it? Something, that's something I really harp on my channel. I, like, I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's to get the attendees in the basement. Yeah, okay, funny. But I yeah. don't like really making those jokes yeah. because there's so many channels. And, and I get it. I get it. Right. It, like in Minecraft. Yeah, I get it. But like it's getting to the point where no one has actually said the phrases that need to be said about why we're wearing this kit. Right. You know, this guy has body armor and LPVO that goes out to 8X, a 556 yep. rifle with a suppressor and night vision equipment. And then and then immediately in the same sentence is like, why are you LARPing, bro? Or, like, dude, or is that home defense? Done, home defense. Yeah, and I'm like, home defense. No, dude, no, yeah. no. Yeah. We've done 99% of the cringe that people say or the LARPing. Yeah. Commit yeah. that last 1%. Game plan for what this is actually for. And understand that this capability vastly exceeds what is realistic for home defense. Because that's it, not what it's for. It's not. And that's the other thing is this also, let's, let's go ahead and take this look globally. When Ukraine was on the brink of war with Russia and they were saying, hey, something's going to happen, something's going to happen. What were their citizens doing? Last minute, small unit tactics out in a soccer field with wooden AKs. Like, so you've got people last minute scrambling, trying to soak up knowledge, trying to soak up equipment, trying to be prepared for something that was in inevitably coming their way. And they were caught. I mean, luckily they're doing kind of okay now, but like, a lot of them were caught with their pants down. How many people were, you know, paid the ultimate price because they weren't ready? 
or because, you know, they weren't afforded the opportunity to become ready because of restrictions or whatever. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I think there needs to be a realistic approach as to why you're training, why you're really getting ready. You know, like, let's quit beating around the bush and just talk about reality here and, and say, like, you should be prepared no matter what for any type of event that comes your way. Um, it's... Yeah, I think sometimes people need, most people need an honest conversation with themselves about why they own own this kit. Everyone has different design objectives with how they're preparing for, right? Some people are preparing for natural disaster. Some people are preparing for the end of times. Some people are preparing for, you know, uh, anti-state yeah. work for the lack of a <laughs> they keep it, right? Uh, some yeah. people are preparing for a foreign invasion. Who knows, right? It, do it doesn't really matter what you're preparing for because realistically, all of the above can happen and you have no idea what it's going to be. So that's why I like to have my net broad and I don't generally hone on, on very specific, specific things. And at the end of the day, chances are something, especially in America, something is probably less likely to happen than any other place in the world in terms yeah. of things that can affect us. But at the end of the day, you're still a citizen. There is a degree of duty yeah. to be a prepared citizen. So even if something doesn't happen as a dude or even as a chick, it doesn't really matter. Um, there, there is something to be said about doing the best you can to be prepared and ready for, right? It's not just guns. It's not just, you know, preps, but that is certainly part of it. And then if something and does think, happen, you are. I think also like to your point Marvin. to kind of echo what you're saying, whether at the end of the day, what reason do you need other than it is your God-given right? It is your right to have that stuff. It is your right to exercise mm -hmm. that training. It is your right to exercise your ability to defend yourself. And that right exists to defend the other rights that you have. For example, what we're doing right now, which is free speech and what we're doing now, not to try to get too political, but like, I think, I think we as a community mm -hmm. need to start saying like, this is why we're talking about these subjects is why we're pushing around this knowledge. And I think that's why veterans, need to start looking past of, okay, hey, this is just something that I'm going to gatekeep and start pushing this information out. Because guess what? Like TTPs are going to be developed. And I think TTP should be developed uh, for the citizen. And, and, and having, if you have your community with you that you train with, you know, like you should be developing your own TTPs. It's like, hey, if there is a CASAVAC, what does our CASAVAC look like? What does our medevac plan look like? What does our, um, you know, food sustainment plan look like? Um, I mean, those are real questions that I think we as individual yeah. citizens need to be asking in our own communities and not just saying, oh, that's just a military thing. Or as a vet being like, oh, you guys don't ever need to know that. Yeah, that's that's something I, I like, I get a lot of flack for this because I, I, I try to, for the lack of a better yeah. term, notional or war game or whatever you want to call it, certain scenarios. And what the, the the logical delineation of events could be, and then coming up with a system or a game plan to deal with these things. Is my prediction right. of what's going to happen correct? No, probably not. Is my game plan or reaction plan to what I think might happen correct? No, logic isn't always correct. Sometimes logic is wrong. But I have a plan, and now that plan requires preparedness. Now I have a plan with preparedness, and I can adapt that plan to preparedness for a lot of things. It doesn't have to be perfectly correct, um, but it but it does require you to admit I'm using an AR-15 with a plate carrier and night vision on American soil. <laughs> so, and that requires a plan, right? You can't just own all this kit and not have a game plan. It 
it's not enough in my opinion. You, you do need a game plan to a degree of events. Like how are you, at yeah. minimum, how are you going to meet up with your team? Yeah. Right. Cause most people don't live in the same house, right? Like, well, what are you going to do in these scenarios? What are you going to do in those scenarios? That requires practice. What, what, are some, work what, practice. what are some things you um, talk about your team? Yeah. What are some things specifically that you think would be important for the group uh, within your community to kind of start focusing in on first outside of just training and proficiency of firearms? Ooh, that's a, um, I mean, that, that's a very, very tough question because what mm. the group needs yeah. and what the group wants and what is realistic is all different. So do I need to be practicing small unit tactics with my team first and foremost? Yeah. No, but that's what they want. <laughs> yeah. So we'll start with that and build some teamwork, communication, and the fact that yeah. people actually show up to these things. Right. Um, what I would rather do is develop, you know, uh, communications and all that stuff, but you know, mm. that'll come in time and that has come in time. So, uh, I, I think step one is just yeah. get the team and start training. It doesn't matter what it is, start training and build the relationships with these people because you have to realize what you're preparing for requires an extreme high level of trust um, and ability or level of trust and mm. confidence in each other. Yeah. That doesn't just materialize out of nowhere. So yes, I have certain things I want to practice. First, I, I want to improve our, our supplies, our preparedness plans, whatever, but just building teamwork yeah. has been my priority mm. recently uh, and having people yeah. show up, right? That's tough. Right? Everyone's got families. So, so it's a bit divergent. Yeah. No, I mean, I that's, I, I think it's, but. I think it's one of those things where the logistics and the thing that is, the things that aren't as flashy that are a lot more boring are things that are probably mostly important. Um, and so kind of, kind of linking up with mm -hmm. your community yeah. and saying, Hey, like, even if it's not something that require, like, you know, requires plate carriers and all this stuff, it's like, Hey, we have a natural disaster. Like here in Florida, we got hurricanes and it's like, Hey, you know, if you're ever in trouble, like we've got food, we've got a power generator, we've got all these things to kind of help you out. And those are perfect times to kind of exercise your game plan, exercise your time in real, in real time, exercise your plan with your community to kind of help each other out and also see like, okay, after that natural disaster is passed, after that emergency time has passed, okay, let's AER. What were some of our pitfalls? Like, what were some of our shortcomings? What could we do better at? Um, and that's where you really, that's a, that's a real world, very realistic opportunity to kind of practice and exercise your real world planning uh, as a community to kind of see how effective or ineffective it was. Um, Utah's boring when you <laughs> get natural disasters. I, I know Florida, you guys yeah. get hurricanes every, every five minutes, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of boring here. Uh, we we get other state or the state burns yeah. down and everything's kind of smoggy for a little bit, and that's that's the extent of uh, what we got. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing a lot of hiking recently, in like in Kit, and the Kit adds a little seriousness to the whole uh, the whole thing. But like realistically, do it's pretty low on my realistic priority of what yeah. needs to be trained with the group. But like I said, I, I just want to get people out to work on skills. Some people are up here. Some people are down now, here. Have you, have you guys had any like new shooters? If you had a new shooter come into the group, what's something that you would help them to prioritize to kind of get them on the right track in terms of setup? <clears throat> okay. So we've been doing a lot of that, uh, Recently, sort of, um, yeah. we have a sort of tiered group. This is going to sound weird. I have a much smaller group because to me, the, the thing that I value most as a premium is trust, like in, implicit trust and um, right. confidence in other people. 
So my 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 the upper yeah. yeah. So my yeah. group is smaller, right? We'll, we'll just say that because uh, like uh, the how do how do you say this? Like the, the blunt version of it is I don't want to be shot in the back, or I don't want Correct. someone to bail on yep. me in a critical situation. So my group is smaller, but we have subgroups that are they kind of feed into the actual group, right? These are more like groups that mm. shoot together, but they're not really preparedness group. And those guys feed up into this this larger group, and I, I occasionally yeah. hang out with that that larger group, uh, not generally, but sometimes. So sometimes I this is a firearms community. Mm. So a lot of times it yeah. is firearms based and not preparedness based. Yeah. I only handle that with the, the larger group, but yeah. So a lot of stuff that I like to do is mm-hmm. basic running gun drills, right? That's a good way to kind of build confidence. I like doing, um, uh, mm-hmm. very basic radio communication stuff, right? Cause 99% of people have a bail fang and they've never turned it on or know what a frequency is. Mm. So setting that up on the spot is a great way to just immediately begin working uh, comms, but more yeah. importantly, to begin failing miserably, which allows the person to realize like, oh, this isn't as simple uh, as it is. And it's just like going on a, you know, 500 meter hike in that direction and calling out different targets. Um, that That's a very good skill builder, just mm-hmm. for someone that's really getting into it. Um, and then I also like, um, if, if we go up just a, a little bit yeah. in the tier, I like doing CQB stuff. Does a civilian necessarily need high level yeah. CQB? Well, maybe eventually. Does a new guy need it? No, probably not. But CTB is a very good analog of nonverbal communication, understanding what someone else might do, understanding uh, uh, roles within yeah. a group, uh, so on and so forth. Right now, once again, do they need the CTB? Probably not at this stage. But it's a good thing to build uh, teamwork and stuff like that, and that gives me a good gauge of how fast someone can pick up on information. So on and so forth, right? So these are a lot of things. I I don't have a list of what I do. Yeah, I mean, I think something else, like, with newer shooters is, from my background, it's like shooting is one small portion of you as a whole in terms of your skill sets that you need Mm -hmm. to have. At at the end of the day, a trusted team member outside of, you know, like personal trust and blah, 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 I need you to be so proficient with firearms that I don't have to have a second thought about you shooting me in the back. I need you to be so proficient where safety is second nature. I, I don't have to constantly, you, you know, go to the range and you see a shooter and it's like, he's the only thing you can see that he or she is doing is just literally trying to be as safe as they can be. And it's like, you need to be at a point in your proficiency level with mm-hmm. firearms where not that you're just not thinking about safety, it is just so natural that you are naturally safe all the time and you can actually perform other tasks and functions. Okay. So like, yeah, to, to be sure, I'm not I'm not taking a novice and shoving him yeah, into exactly. a, even a mock shoot house, right? That that's a recipe for <laughs> yeah. for a really bad day, um, and that does kind of speak to the. Mm-hmm. I, I've done a couple of novice shooting training mm-hmm. sessions, right? Both uh, when I worked in a gun store and in this environment, but most of the time when I start hanging out with someone or they're introduced to me, we start feeding them up through the chain. Um, there's at least a decent level of competency there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think. Uh, one other thing um, that is, I think is kind of important that you were talking about, like, you know, comms is super important, but medical, like I actually just cut my finger uh, last mm-hmm. night. So that wasn't fun. This is, I'm mm-hmm. left-handed and this is my trigger finger, that all so the that's time. good, but um, uh, you know, having the ability to kind of process like, okay, this is an arterial, this is not an arterial bleed. I've got a slow ooze. It's a pretty deep cut, but I can still feel like, 
you know, I have feeling in my finger, I have capillary refill, having that basic knowledge of being like, okay, not being able to panic, be able to prep, you know, put a pressure bandage on it and then be like, all right, uh, do I need to go get stitches or can I, can I, you know, just super glue this, having that basic knowledge of just medical stuff, which I know is boring. I get it unless you're a medical expert and it's fun for you. But, uh, you know, those are things that are important that you don't think about until it's the time. And you're like, crap, I wish I knew what to do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's not the time to think about. I'm I'm lucky. Our group has a um, nice uh, EMT mm-hmm. paramedics yep. slash former '68 whiskey. So I let yeah. them do all the. You go do that. Yeah. All right. Tell yeah. me. Tell me what exactly. I'm fucking up. And, okay. and so I think those are those are things that um, not the flashiest training that you should seek out, but something that's super important for the group or for the individual. Um, but. One other thing that I was I was actually kind of thinking about was we've been talking about longer rifles right now. What what distances have you and your group been mm-hmm. really kind of focusing on to engage? You know, because I think it's really flashy to do stuff within a hundred yards. All the up stuff, close up close stuff, really you know is really flashy. But like, um, have you guys been like really like trying to focus more on engagements? You know, a hundred yards plus. Yeah, so that's a that's a really I mean mm. that's a really big thing we actually do, and in fact, um, that's one thing yeah. I get annoyed with with the industry. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get right flashy B-roll, but mm-hmm. I hate mag dump yep. footage at X yards. I just despise it, right? Because no, I get it. it's it's beautiful footage, but people see this, mm-hmm. and 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 I know this for a fact. People see that and they internalize that subconsciously yep. as valid training. Now there is a place to work on your splits. But relatively speaking, if you can do the, the medium range stuff, yep. right, mm-hmm. you can shoot fast. Shooting fast is not that hard, right? Uh, shooting relative, like, like we're talking about like Jerry Michelak splits. Okay, sure. Yeah. But functional speed at re- close range is not too hard to achieve if you're a sure. shooter. So that's why I get annoyed with that. A lot of our focus is uh, even at the, the medium range stuff. So 50 to 100 yards, right? We're racing off of something like that. We're shooting fairly small targets and then um yeah I, i'm a big fan of like low round count right. drills with high accuracy requirements because that's much harder to do it's much easier to introduce speed into accuracy right. than accuracy onto speed right speed shooter it's harder to be more accurate in my opinion than you know, loading up on the, the other requirements and then as for past 100 yards mm. uh, we've done a little bit of that um it's kind of a pain in the ass to set up sometimes, but I'm fortunate I'm out in the, um, when I drive to nice. my shooting area, I'm in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. So we, we do, we do a lot of bounding between giant boulders and having a target at variable ranges, right. roughly 200 to 300 yards and then bracing off of that. So right. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that type of shooting because it introduces skills. It's not necessarily the shooting. That's a hard component, right? You can set up a similar difficulty at about yeah. hundred yards and you just use mm-hmm. a smaller plane. Right. Yeah. It's roughly the similar difficulty. The difficulty comes with, well, A, if you have a yeah. red dot, you're going to be pretty miserable because you're going to have, you know, the target right. is roughly in that 20 degree cone over there, but man, yeah. you're going to spend a lot of time trying to find that thing because it's going to blend in. And that's steel, right? Like imagine if they mm-hmm. actually had the, it was actually painted the same color. Uh, so there's a lot of that, a lot of, um, right. We always talk about, you know, PID and observation, but there's actually a third component, which is, finding right. a target in a known area, right? Uh, the, the real world analog is, I know someone was there, they ducked to cover or we were previously engaging them, but now they've mm. displaced roughly 50 meters, right? And finding a 
finding a target in that and doing these kind of drills at 200 something meters really stresses an optic system to be able to do something like that. So I, I find a lot of use um, in running these type of drills. They're, they're kind of miserable because uh, you're going to get gas yeah. no matter what yeah. you're at altitude and you're running up and down a hill. But uh, I find a lot of use in that right here. Um, and then on top of that, recently we, mm. we've come out of doing some long range stuff. I think that's more of a skill builder slash right. discovery thing. Sure. Like, hey, how far can I push 5.56? And we started out with regular rifles. Mm -hmm. We switched to OTM. So we, we were pushing at 500, 600. And then for fun, we're right. like, okay, can yeah. a thousand be done? And did a thousand. Is that relevant for 5.56? No, but the skills to get to that point, right. are, I think, pretty, I know. pretty relevant. No, no, I love it. I love it. I mean, that's something that's like, <laughs> I, I, to be honest, one of the arguments that I've, I feel like I, we, you know, Roy and I hear a lot is like, well, five, five, six isn't effective at 500 yards. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but if I was 500 yards away, I wouldn't want you shooting at me with a Mark 18 from 500 yards away. Like I would still probably be a little bit nervous. So, I mean, uh, you know, we actually just shot mm -hmm. uh, myself and Ben from Wiseman company. We just shot a helmet. I mean, granted, we just got these helmets for free and they were a Kevlar standard issue helmet from like 04. But dude, we're shooting them in at 500 yards with a 14.5 and a 13.9. And it's going through the front and it's getting going, <laughs> almost getting almost through the back. And it's like, that's pretty rough. Like that's a pretty solid, yep. effective round. Um, and, you know, that's that's it hitting armor. So what's it doing to just bear, you know, bear, bear flesh? So like. And this mm -hmm. is this gets into theory crafting, right? Um, I'm obviously civilian, right? Uh, this gets into theory crafting, but the reality is, at least in my opinion, the requirement of lethality goes down as you go out further. If I'm in a fight at five yards, Correct. I need deadly yeah. lethality and yeah. instantaneous incapacitation, right? But if I'm at 500 yards, yeah. man, a hit is a hit, right? And, and I'm like, yeah, sure. If I, if I could plug in a 6.5 Creed more mm -hmm. or whatever the heck into my 5.56 five, five, yeah. rifle for that shot, yeah, I'd love it, right? right? I'd love to have a 308 in this moment, but it, it ignores the fact leading up to that moment. And realistically speaking, um, a 500-yard shot for a civilian, even in the most boogie-boog scenarios, a 500-yard right. shot is a shot of necessity yeah. uh, most of the time. Yep. So you're taking what you can get. And a hit... Like I said, a hit is a hit, and, I, and I, that that will very much uh, decrease the effectiveness of whoever you're up against. Will it have you know hundred yard five five six terminal ballistics? No. Yeah. Does it need to? It'd be nice, but yeah, you know, the, 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 everything's a give and take, and I, I it's it's not absolutely not like the end of the world. If well, you I think honestly, lethal like you were saying, right? it's obviously, effective. Yeah. We call it you know combat effectiveness is the term that gets thrown around there a lot. But imagine yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, I try not to use yeah, that word because it gets brutalized pretty, brutalized right, we'll, pretty we'll hard. Say, uh, engagement, engagement effectiveness. So no, I no, think, you can I think say something you else can... to take in consideration. It's like, you know, if, you know, your buddy does get hit, now how many people does that take out of the fight to take care of that individual? You know, I think it's pretty effective. Like, you know, it all depends mm -hmm. on how you look at it. It doesn't have to be completely yeah. destroying or neutralizing that target. But to degrade the effectiveness of the group, yeah, absolutely. That's extremely, extremely uh, effective. Um, and so, you know, one one casualty could take at least two people out of the fight because now they're tending to aid that person. Or four, if you're trying to use a standard litter. So now you got four people out of a fight, and that's like 
that's a whole group of guys, you know, like, um, and so kind of thinking in that yeah. manner, um, something else that I, I kind of, I, I see a lot and, and I've talked to Roy about this, but it kind of bugs me is there's people that will go out there and be like, okay, I see that you're preparing all that stuff and, and you're, you're saving all that stuff. It's like, well, when crap is the fan, I'm just going to come over and take it from you. And I'm like, what kind of, yeah, the loot is like, loot, the loot, what is the this? Loot, like, uh, yeah, what about lot. just, why don't we become a community and we can use that for all of our benefit? I don't understand the. When people say that legitimately, when people say, even when people yep. don't say that, but you can tell their, their, their game plan isn't quite to snuff. Yeah. You're exactly. the person I'm preparing for. It, it, it's not zombies yeah. and it's, you know, not whatever. It's someone that didn't quite grasp yep. what the hell yep. we're talking about in normal times. And then not normal times hit and their food reserve has been at zero for multiple weeks. Now their loved ones are yep. atrophying in front of their eyes. The fact that it already crossed their mind right here, right now, mm -hmm. where I can go down and, you know, get a drink or whatever from Seven Eleven and gas up my car on a moment's notice. Right. The fact that they're okay saying that right now means they have no, there is no mm -hmm. moral barrier or whatever you want to call it. Even if you do have moral barriers, watching your loved ones, you know, atrophy in front of you, you're going to do some yeah. pretty messed up stuff. Yeah. So those are the people I'm preparing for. It's dudes with AR-15s that don't yeah. have. Yeah. And, and those are the things, prepared, right? those are the things no, I'm no, talking I about. Just, like, I, you start to see that in, you know, in groups and stuff like that. I get it. Yeah. Instagram and social media, people talk a lot and not really, maybe not mean what they say, but if you're looking for what type of person that you need to be preparing for, like you said, to echo what your, your comment, that is the person, that is the person that you need to just be ready for. Um, and, and at the end of the day, your community and your group should strive to take in as many people as you possibly can to give them shelter, to give them aid, to, to grow the community. Um, strength comes through numbers. Um, but you know, I think these are all super heavy things that we're talking about, but at the end of the day, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but like, I'm tired of beating around the bush. Like this is the reality of what everybody's yeah. saying in the dark corners of the internet. And nobody's really talking about. And, you know, if, if hard times come, what is going to be really needed at the end of the day is good people who are looking out to help other people that are also not scared to back down from a fight. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, the, the, hopefully we're the majority, <laughs> you know, like, uh, the majority of people who are looking to give people aid versus utilize the opportunity to, to cause destruction and harm, which we're seeing a lot. So, um, so I know that some, you kind of shift away from such a heavy topic, um, night vision. I know we're going to actually have. Uh, we'd like to have advanced mm -hmm. night vision. He's actually here in Florida to talk about night vision. But I think that's one thing that people also see as a piece of equipment that is almost untouchable. And I know that you and Hop and, and your group have also dove you know, into night vision and kind of explored that realm. Um, are there some myths that you've dispelled through personal experience about night vision as, to, as far as attainability or, or what to get? You know, like. Yeah. Uh I have a couple of things nice, let's hear it. the internet off over. Um, 
Yeah, there, there's, there's two things. I'm, I'm going to need some water for this. Wait, you can, you can, no, you is can, this going to be edited? Gonna or... It's on Spotify, so I don't know. I uh, mean, our Spotify following, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay, I'll, I'll suck it up. I'll suck it up. Um, okay, so two things that are, I have big issues in the internet. And this plays, mm-hmm. and, and you've probably noticed this, right? There's a lot of people that have accumulated yeah. lots of information <laughs> from the internet. And as an mm-hmm. aggregate, it's good quality information. They're a better citizen. But a lot of it is maybe partially correct, and they don't understand the nuance. Uh, they don't understand the nuance behind it, but they will They will mm. die on that, that, that hill, even right. though they have no experience with the matter. And two things that uh, recently I brought up was, um, uh, I think the more, the, the more upsetty one is, I think passive night vision performance, like the ability to passively engage a target is incredibly misunderstood and not mm. as easy as you think, to put it bluntly. Should you be able to be able to passively engage? Sure. Will it be mm. the end-all, be-all? Absolutely not. Um, I think this is a pretty hotly contested topic, and I could absolutely be wrong. And I understand the arguments. As time goes on, more and more people will have night vision. Therefore, active aiming mm. carries a heavier, heavier penalty um, for improper right. usage of said active night vision. But... Um, I think when it gets to the point where you're taking off a laser aiming device off of a rifle that is meant to be used at night, mm. that's when that logic I would agree, yeah. In my opinion. Um, and this is, I'll, I'll explain why. It's a multifaceted, it's a multifaceted thing. Number one, laser aiming models. Dude, send it. I love it. Let's go. Stuff, but laser aiming, yeah, yeah. Number, like I've done a lot of night vision shooting. Um, there, there's, maybe I'm not the best shooter, but my God, I have the ability mm-hmm. to do night vision on demand whenever I want. Right. And I do it in actually dark environments because the stuff that we're preparing for, right. realistically, there probably won't be power. If there's civilians running around with night vision, yeah. lapping things, there's probably no power, right? The world has to be in a pretty bad right. spot for you to use night vision as a civilian. And most people don't understand what actually dark nights look like mm. straight up, but also under night vision because you train at a range or whatever, right? The necessities, right? We, we, we train where we can. But a backlit city, even 50 miles away, is yeah. a lot yeah, of ambient is. night, a light for night vision. But if you go into a dark environment, which is what I'm, I'm prospecting or saying is a possibility here, passive night vision is cool, but it doesn't yeah. actually work when the, the moon goes away. It just doesn't work. You can aim at maybe 10 yards, 15 yards tops. And that yeah. is so close, I'm just going to use my laser, right? Like, as soon as I go loud at 15 yards, I don't care. I'm going to mm-hmm. use my laser. I'm faster. I'm just going to use it. It allow me to actually track what the hell is going on. You shoot mm. a, even an EOTech, even an EOTech, which is the top of the top, at 15 yards on a pitch black night in a dark environment, yeah. you can barely tell what you're looking at. And most of these people are assuming mm-hmm. they're going to be using this at 50, 100 yards. No way. You can't see what you're looking at. And then... Now, if it's bright out, mm. sure, yeah, use passive aiming. Hell yeah, cool. Um, don't give away your position or whatever. And then the secondary aspect is probably misunderstanding of how lasers uh, and laser usage works, uh, mm. functionally speaking, from the other end. Number one, it's a laser. Unless you're cranked on full power, illegal, burn your retinas out mode, it's actually very difficult to trace back a laser back to the sender, right? Unless it's you know cranked to a bajillion because it's a laser. It's not a flashlight. The photons are in phase. Right. Therefore, you can't observe a photon, right? Photon has to hit your eye. So if the lasers are mm. in phase, 
you can't generally see it. Now, if it's on full power or it's right. very dusty, yeah, you can see it. But that brings us to the second point. Does anyone have issues with us using no. flashlights? No. Because you need the information provided to right. you from the flashlight to take the shot. Now, are you afraid of being shot return fired? Yes. That's why right. we have this thing called white light discipline. You use it when you need it. And that's the same logic with laser aiming modules. You use it when you're ready to break the shot or you desperately need information provided by the illuminator such that it overweighs right. the risk of giving away your position. If the risk versus reward is such that, my God, I know people here have night vision and this information isn't that important for me, then you don't use the laser. And I think all of the stuff I've mentioned together in aggregate um, paints a picture or it, like it's yin and yang, right? Is passive night vision useful? Absolutely, it's useful. There are scenarios where passive UV, using, passive night vision or passive usage under yeah. night vision is has its place. But I'm, I'm I'm seeing a very worrying trend in the industry where people are saying active aiming will get you killed, which it can. But I also think passive aiming can get you killed. It's a, it's a very much a balancing act. But I hear phrases like "active" is only meant to be used yeah. in Full stop. And I think that is a very worrying trend that I'm hearing I think from people that should know. Better. You know, you bring up a good point. Is it, 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 it whether it's night vision shooting or any type of shooting or any skill? As soon as you go like this is the only way, die hard. Period. Dot. That's when you've gone too far. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate for night vision or mm -hmm. passive shooting under night vision. However, when it comes to passive night vision shooting, similar to what you're saying, there's tint in that glass. Even if it's a night vision des designated optic, there's a tint in that glass where if you have no ambient light, all you see is a reticle and nothing else. Like you see your EOTech dot and you don't see any of the target. So at that point, you know, I and, I, and this is something that I teach is having a shooting partner is going to have to illuminate a target for you with an IR flood, or if the laser's bright enough to cut, if you're gonna passive shoot, to still utilize IR that could give away your position, quote unquote, per the internet. So you're at the end of the day, you're still utilizing an aiming device or using an IR signature to be able to give you better information about the target. And it, it kind of echoing what you said yeah. is, is you hit the nail on the head with this. If uh, passive night vision has its place, Active aiming devices and lasers has its place. Utilize both. Utilize both to your benefit. Don't pigeonhole yourself into saying, mm -hmm. this is the only way, or I only use lasers, or I only use passive. You have to utilize both to be able to give yourself the best effect and provide yourself the best variety of options when it comes to engaging that target. Um, you know, Do I utilize passive flood or passive shooting and use an IR flood? Absolutely. One, I get a finer reticle. But I can also see what the hell I'm shooting at. So um, I'll utilize both to my benefit. I, I've shot passive enough to be able to really get quick at aiming and have a nice, fine EOTech reticle uh, under night vision. Um, but at the same time, it's like I don't even feel like doing it. I hate, you know, the position won't allow me. I'm shooting behind a barricade. I'm going to shoot a flicking laser at that thing. So um, I, I think, you know, like you said, to, ec to echo that, don't pigeonhole yourself into one thing. And that also goes out into any type of training um, in general. Just never say this is the only technique and, and die on that hill. Like you need it, you, the only person that's going to lose is yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Now, uh, 
so have you guys developed any like um like ttps as like what you know as a group like under night vision because i understand like probably not everybody in the group is going to have that um what would you say that because here's something else that's also a really interesting uh topic that that i've seen personally within our group should i buy thermal right now or should i buy night vision right now if you had to prioritize one or the other Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I got, I got super the thermal versus night vision question. Yeah, 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 no worries. Um, in my opinion, I think as a prepared citizen preparing for functionally collapse or whatever you want, I think night vision is infinitely yeah. more useful, right? Um, because the reality is, night vision allows you to go yeah. places at night, and in fact, that's probably one of the mm. more logical times to go somewhere is at night because you cut off a huge spectrum of the potential adversary op for population by going somewhere at night. And unlike in the daytime, even if someone has night vision at night, that's not a mm. for sure that you're, you're compromised, right? On a dark night, yeah. man, you can't, you can barely see shit with night vision, right? If it's, it's, if it's actually dark, um, unless you're putting out IR signature. So it allows you to do things outside yeah. of the realm of pew, pew, pew. If you need to go somewhere for, who knows what? Maybe you're linking up with a group. You're linking up with friends. You're going. Um, <clears throat> you, fuck. You want to do some recon, right? The ability to move, go somewhere at night, set up at night, and then chill during the day. Mm. I think that is that is invaluable. You can even just do work around the, the yeah. Like the, depends where you're at, right? But if you have a like a farm or whatever, you can do work at night under nods. You can do a lot of stuff right. that would just seem suicidal during the day. Yeah. And it's not just all shooting. Thermal, yeah, it's observation. Um, it's very useful potentially in a fight, depending on the quality of your thermal. Um, you can scan mm. potential worry areas uh, with a thermal. But fundamentally, it is kind of awkward to move anywhere yeah. far with thermals. And, um, yeah, it, I, I, think, I think night vision gives you more yeah. than, than thermals. Right? Thermals are great. I, I'd, love, I'd love me to have a pair of thermals. But it's also worth noting that thermals are prohibitively expensive. Go into thermal. Bad. <laughs> yeah. You go, go into thermals. Right now, you yeah. can get a $3,000 pair of thermals. But um, having messed with some $3,000 pairs of thermals, yeah. it's almost not worth the wait. Uh, especially yeah. in a country that gets really hot in yeah. the summer. Like, everything is just And that's just mm -hmm. it's not. It's cool to have. Yeah. Sure. Like, if you can drop that cash, go for it. But if one or the other and you're struggling to get the one, then I think night vision gives you infinitely more capability. Sorry, that's that's absolutely the wrong way to say. It. But it gives you more relevant capability. Yeah. Um, so I, if I was to drop money on a night vision device, you know, kind of seeing some of your you know stuff from your channel and and hops, what device would you go with? Should I should I drop money on it? Like let's say I, I got enough for a green PBS fourteen, or should I wait and get something a little bit better? Um, that, that, that's a tougher question and harder to say. <clears throat> My opinion is, uh, the most important thing is, I forgot what this term was. Mm -hmm. I have it written down somewhere over here. Um, uh, I think that this is something that's almost not discussed at all. And I, and I, I was like very worried that this is just not a thing and I'm making this up myself, but the difference between a 1800 to 2300 FOM 2 right. is not all that significant. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's what you're talking about with specs. Right? 
That, that'd be the difference between a low-end right. Elbit versus a high-end L3. That, the, the, the FOM number itself, right, the, the specs, or even EBI and um, other specs, they do matter somewhat. But I, I think tube clarity, and I'm not talking about blends, I'm talking mm. about this term called fixed pattern noise. I recently was researching this recently because I wasn't sure what the hell it was. But basically, right. it's a fill, like yeah. a spattering of stuff. Right. It's almost like somebody misted your screen. And that, that's not really discussed in the night vision industry. But I've noticed, having looked at a lot of tubes, the, the thing that influences the quality of my ability to see in a very dark right. environment is probably that over all else. And then followed by EBI and SNR and maybe Halo right. somewhere in some random order. So that matters most to me. Unfortunately, it's really hard to tell what the quality there's no stat for fixed pattern mm. noise and you can barely see it on a picture. So unfortunately that's not something you can confirm easily yourself. And the best way to get rid of that <laughs> yeah. is to spend way too much money on yeah, a tube. Sure. Not way too much, but spend a lot of money on a tube and naturally higher quality tubes mitigate that factor. You can absolutely get cheaper mm. quality tubes that don't mitigate that factor. I guess ultimately what I'm saying is don't get mm. insanely hung up on FOM. Don't get insanely hung up on having a white tube over a green tube. Yep. Uh, just make sure it's a Gen 3 auto-gated and um, probably a PBS-14, so don't buy some weird housing, in my opinion. And uh, generally, you're, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, now, if you want to get nitpicky, all that stuff I just mentioned. Yeah. No, I mean, I think definitely a PBS-14 is a, is a good way to go. And at the end of the day, you can always upgrade by getting a house, uh, a bridge and putting those two together. I, I personally haven't used the bridging of the PBS-14. Um, for me... I've run like right now, personally, like what I'm running is a PBS 14 white FOSS, uh, hopefully up, upgrading to a, a dual tube. But mm -hmm. as far as military goes, I've used panos, you know, I've got 31s, um, which I'm still part-time, but like it's night and day, but at the end of the day, I can get stuff done. You know, like we've got some old PBS 15s and it's the same as like, you know, an old school PBS 14, you just got two of them. So like, uh, and you can definitely still function. Um, yeah. That, that's that's what the other night vision thing that I've gotten flack for. Yeah. If you have the money, yep. go buy duels. Yeah. Sure. They're nice. They're, they're absolutely, you put them on, you're like, man, this <laughs> yeah. is sweet. I look cool as shit. Take hey, three. Mom, take a picture. Um, but, mm -hmm. but realistically, let, let's, let's have a, let's have a moment here. Uh, night vision is going to be the single most expensive thing you buy probably for your firearms, unless you're in, yeah. you know, Narnia 1% land. So, if it's a question about like, maybe I'll get dual tubes one day, or you know what? I could probably put together a budget plan to get a 14, a PDS 14 with one to two years, or maybe even within a year, then honestly, just get the, get the 14. The performance gain over from a dual tube setup from a mono setup is not as significant as Instagram yeah. lets you out to be because the image the image, if you swap back and forth between a PVS-14 and a dual tube setup, the image is functionally the same. You're going to see a circle in front of you, and it's going to be roughly 40 degrees. And that's, it looks the same, but under a 14 or a uh, yeah. or mono setup, in my opinion. So, yes, get the get the duals if you can, but, like, realistically, three grand plus the, like, $2,000 of crap you need to buy to enable you to use that thing. Just go, like, if it's that or nothing... And Go with the, the, the and to the echo what it's you're not saying, as bad as you think get the mono and then start training with it because you can run. You, there are guys out there that can run PVS 14s mm -hmm. like a boss, they can outperform a dude with dual tubes that are super expensive, and it's because they have the time under the tube. 
And then over time, yeah, if you can afford duels, you can sell that 14 to a buddy and now they have a capability or you can give it to someone else in the group. Dude, it really My does. mission really and, holds its and value And it's two well. power. You can see at night. Like you can do whatever you're doing during the day at nighttime if you become a proficient enough. Um, so like, yes, I just wanted to hear you say that because I was just like, yeah. something where I hear a lot is just like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. to, to, to more echo on that, like the skill that matters under night vision is it, it's mm -hmm. hard to describe. And you, you probably know this. I see you guys yeah, going through yeah. swampy ass lands where like you can barely see, yeah, you can barely yeah. see what you step on during the day. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you have duels or a mono, a lot of what you're doing under night vision is you're losing something yep. that you used to subconsciously have, and you don't realize that you've lost it. Um, but you're going to be doing a lot of just, it's hard to describe. I, I've never really put this to words. Oh, you're going to do a lot of just trust falls on repeat every time you take a step. And it takes a lot of practice to get to the point where, um, mm -hmm. A, you need, you know, when you need to yep. look and you know, when you don't need to look and you need, and you're doing nonstop little trust falls over and over again. And it requires a certain amount of walking technique that you're going to develop subconsciously. It's different for every person. And you're going to develop a walking style, depending yep. on the lighting conditions. Sometimes if it's bright enough, you can walk normally. Sometimes you're going to need to do this weird, weird thing. And that's something you need to develop. Yep. And it doesn't matter if you have a 14 or duels, it, you're going to need to develop that subconscious ability to walk with Bordering sometimes it, on zero information. And your um in uneven terrain. Your that body is also a lot more in tune than you realize when you have objects like hang me up vines or twigs and branches that are in your face, and you're like, I see this blurry thing. It's trust it, it's probably in your way, and you can brush it out of the way. Even though it's blurry and it's almost really hard to see, but your body instinctively yep. will start to see those things and you'll become more in tune with your senses, even though you can't see it perfectly clear. Um and yeah, everyone can build that skill. Some people pick mm -hmm. it up instantly and they're good to go under nods and some people don't. It doesn't matter where you are. Just get to the point where you can, you know, do that. And that, that will take time to, to develop. Oh, also yeah. putting magazines. Oh, yeah. That, that'll, 100%. Be, that'll be a, a nice learning curve, too. So, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I said, it doesn't matter if you have a PBS or do now. It, now, as far as a laser aiming device and kind of kind of finish off, uh, you know, the session today, I want to talk about like. Also, the laser aiming device, how, what should I get? Should I go with, you know, something that's super important on, on my IR laser? Or should I focus more on an IR illuminator? Or are they both equally important in your book? This, this topic <laughs> fucking sucks. Uh, yeah. It's awful. Oh, the, the state of the IR market is, yeah. is like, like yeah. 2009 era yeah. 15 yeah. status. It's not pretty. Like, if you want, like, this is more like we've been yeah. talking about, hey, tell me what to buy. This is like the one category where in theory yeah. I should be able to say, hey, buy yes. this. But mm -hmm. there is no perfect option on the market, unfortunately. I'll, I'll, I'll blitz through this uh, real quick. So you have a couple options. You have uh, laser combined yeah. with a flashlight-based illuminator. So we're talking Surefire. Yeah, they have the, X, the Vampire series. Yeah, yep, yep, uh, M600V, yep. that's it. Yep. Yeah. Vampire mm -hmm. lights or TLR1s is another good example. Or TLR... Yeah. Uh, TIR2. Mm -hmm. That's it. TIR2 from Streamlight. The list goes on. So that's your flashlight based illuminators. Then you have mm -hmm. your dedicated LAMs, laser aiming modules. So that's going to be your I2, yep. your PEC 15, your PEC 15. Hey, actually, you can't get a PEC 15. Your uh, Mall C plus LPLCs, one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. LS321s. So from Hall Suns. Yeah. You're, mm -hmm. So actually, that's the, that's the next category. And then you have your V cell based illuminators, which are. Yeah. 
flashlight lasers, for the lack of a better term, yeah. uh, to keep it brief for the audience. So you have these three categories. In my opinion, um, it, it, it delineates as follows. The flashlight-based illuminators are very good for CQB mm -hmm. subgun style usage. But the illuminators yeah. on those are kind of awful. Uh, they're really good up close, but they're way too splashy. You're going to autogate the shit out of yourself if you're trying to shoot past cover mm -hmm. as it splashes off the thing in front of you. And they just don't give you enough oomph to get past even 50 right. yards in a dark environment, in my opinion. Okay, cool. That works on uh, a lot of certain setups, right? But it doesn't work great on, um, mm. um, on rifles, per se. I think the only exclusion would be a non-night vision dedicated setup that has a white light. But it happens to be a vampire light, and then you click it over to right. IR mode, and then you pass the right. game, right, as a last resort kind of situation. But outside of that, um, I think those are generally inadequate for rifle usage if you expect to engage at distance. So the next category would be the laser aiming module category. So once again, your APLC, your mm -hmm. I2, your A3 from Steiner, and your LS321 from Hulsa. These, in theory, are great and cost approximately $1,000, but... Uh, they've been heavily regulation <laughs> by the uh, by regulations, and unfortunately, while they do give you increased performance, it is a yeah. depressing amount of increased performance. Like, yes, you should buy one over the previous category I've mentioned, but it's a little depressing because you're only going to get to about 150 yards before you seriously didn't think. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. can I focus this illuminator anymore, please? And a lot of them also limit the focus of the thing, and you're going to get into situations yeah. where. I can't see the target. I know the target is right there. Yeah. I, I, I see the glow sticks next to the target, but I, right. my illuminator is not giving me enough oomph at range to see the target. So you are then left with the, the final category. Buy a Steiner D2 and have a <laughs> McDonald's Happy yeah. Meal on the front of your yeah. it's not It's not significantly heavier. <laughs> yeah, my know. God, is it being a pain in the ass. Yeah. And it also struggles. So, so buy a D2 for $1,300, $1,000, give or take. That, that probably is the, one of the better solutions. Option two, buy a full power yeah. pack on tax one for $1,800. Yeah. And when it breaks, you're out $1,800. But now you have a full power pack and it can get you out to distance. We don't really care about the 13 hours later yeah. lassoing the sky with our full power laser. In fact, mm. I wish I could turn off the full power yeah. laser and keep the full power illuminator. Yeah. We're really after the full power illuminator to get us past that roughly 150 yard mark. Um, so that is an absolutely an option, but I can understand why people are not a fan of that. Uh, use your imagination mm -hmm. uh, as to where these things came from. And then the final option would be a mall, which is, yeah, it's cool. the, That's the cost of like a Honda Civic, like a 2003 Honda Civic. Like you could buy a used car. Yeah. So as you can see, oh, I, mm -hmm. I did. I, I missed out the LS321, which is very similar in performance with the other options on the on the yeah. the cucked category, the cucked lamb category. So yeah, these are all not great options. None of them really yeah. tick the satisfaction box. So personally, for me, I have a full power laser and I yeah. have two civilian power lasers. The civilian power lasers get it done most of the time, but leave you wanting. And the full power laser is great most of the time. But yeah, I'm and, and that's the same. I have a, uh, I run a full power laser on one of my guns, but my, my other rifle, I actually run a hollow sun um, just for the IR laser aspect. Mm -hmm. And actually I utilize a IR flood head. That's more of like a laser spot, you know, like a laser flood. And um, it, mm -hmm. it looks kind of funky. B.E. Myers actually just came out with their, uh, what was that, that flood? 
Yeah, the Kiji, dude, it's oh, a yeah, perfect thing to be able to utilize. And now I can save money on my 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 laser device because I'm not too concerned about it having combined IR flood and laser. I just, just give me an IR laser, stick it on there, and I have yeah. a Kiji or a dedicated flood um, that's off to the side. Yes, it looks a little bit clunky because I got a light, a Kiji, and a laser, but you get used to it pretty quick, and it's super effective. And it's going to be a little bit. You're probably going to pay about twelve hundred bucks, you know, like when it's yeah. all said and done. There's the uh, CTF2, which is a housing-based yeah. solution of what you just described, uh, where the housing right. already exists and you, you plug the key G in. Um, once again, this is a scenario where it, it is one of the p higher performing options, but then you have to realize you, you tally all the costs yeah. together and you basically just bought <laughs> yeah. a D2, which is functionally the exact mm -hmm. same thing. It's a it's a V-cell, right. V-cell thing plugged into the unit. So it, it is absolutely an option and it's one of the, the better options. But at the end of the day, it it's is a, it's man. a depressing state of affairs. Um, I, I'm trying to check out the night vision, uh, U.S. night vision. Oh, I know what you're. I know what you're talking about. Yes, I hate all these names so much, man. Yeah, the designate mm -hmm. IRV. I think yeah. it's called, and yeah. it looks like a pancake, I, and it's got a little button on the back. I'm a little nervous because there there's are no information. Videos of this thing, and I'm Dude, about there's to no information. Hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, so I'd like to review one, but I'm also yeah. a little worried. But you know, that's that's the cost of being. Uh, making less money than a McDonald's employee trying to make YouTube videos and buying eighteen hundred dollars. No, I, I get it. Uh, I get it. Uh, I, I would say at the end of the day, right though, none of this equipment that we're talking about is going to replace your skills. Like you have to have the skill set behind the equipment. Mm -hmm. The equipment should just complement you, and it should just be a tool that that enhances you. Uh, you cannot buy enhancing uh, a skill set. Here's a here's mm -hmm. a big here's a big example to feed into that. I, I love real world uh, examples. Full power lasers aren't as good mm -hmm. as you think they are. They're not like a flashlight. Yeah, yeah. More lumens, more better, especially at range. Yeah, or yeah. More I, I guess more candela, more better is the the new thing. But like, you have a full power laser. You turn on the full power laser at so a fifty yard target. You're like, Jesus oh Christ. God, I, yeah. I can't see it anymore. It's so bright. Uh, and and the. And that, that mm -hmm. almost applies at most yeah. ranges you use a full power laser. Some of them are yeah. just a little too cramped. And the low power is too little, the full power is too much. So a lot of it is also technique, right? I've gone to shoots where me, right. because you know, I, I don't always bring the full power laser, with a LS321 or a I2 Steiner, where the technique I employ to see a target in a very dark environment allows me to actually get hits on target faster and more accurately than someone with a full power laser. Right? A good example of that is... I know the target is roughly there. I light it up. I don't quite yeah. tell which shadow is my target. And you can use a technique where you pull it off the target and only put the illuminator on target yes. to force a shadow to be created. And then you can, you know, you can you can thus figure out what I'm looking at versus the people that say, I know the target is there. They put their blob on top and they don't have quite enough resolution because the, the illuminator right. sphere is about three times bigger than the target area. And they're missing their little their little target. And so a lot of it's also technique. Mm -hmm. It's also technique, and you figure these things out by doing. A yeah, lot of and you can figure out how to do this technique if you get something that's within your price range that gives you the ability right now, like a PVS fourteen versus waiting three or four years for dual tubes, and you have lost that amount of time that you could have utilized to train behind that piece of equipment to figure out the techniques to make things work. That's why I'm a big fan of the Holosun LS three two one. It's ugly. It's cheap. It's a Holosun. Man, it, it's not like you're going to get, you know, 
all that much performance by spending yeah. $1,800 for an app PLC yep. that has the exact same cap on it. And this gets you a laser right here, right now. And you can start training. And I suspect this is one of those things where you could probably say fairly confidently that within five years, the laser yeah, gaming 100%. is probably going to be a lot better, right? The tech, we're starting to see the tech. So this is one of those cases where just as good or slightly worse is actually yep. potentially an okay. Cause it gets you training. It's the same performance level. It's not like Steiner lasers yeah. are particularly yeah. all that durable anyway, right? So you can buy a Hall Sun um, and it gets you a laser. And unlike other things like scopes, you always have too many <laughs> guns compared to the amount of laser in yeah. the module. So just move yeah. that to something else when the time comes. It's 2D, yeah. like you're not going to regret owning it. So I, I'm a big fan of the LS321, even though it's Hey, if it works, box, if it, if it fits, it sits. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've been rocking one of those uh, pretty heavily. So yeah, just just get up. Like a lot of God, this starts getting annoying because yeah. everyone's parroting it in their yeah. videos. Yeah, go outside and out make you feel do. better. Freaking um, yeah, a hundred percent. Well, if you have any, what are, what parting words would you have for kind of newer shooters that kind of watch your channel and 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 are looking to get into training, um, or or gear or whatever? What are some parting words that you would have for them? It's the two parts. I've already sort of mentioned one of them. Number one, like I mentioned earlier, that's the biggest lesson yes. I learned. It's a journey. Take it slow. Don't try to unwrap, uh, un outrun your performance level, right? Only because Jim Bob on Instagram with a bajillion followers said this is his setup. You don't necessarily need to imitate it because A, it might not even fit your desires and B, right. he might not even be right, right? So like follow advance your skill level, right? When I was doing long mm. range, I didn't go straight to 6.5. I did what I could with 5.56. Five, five, yeah. In fact, it's a great learning platform for long range. And then number two, no one knows what the hell they're talking about. The smartest among us probably has a 60% right. accuracy rate mm. with what they say, maybe 70% accuracy rate with what they say. I don't, don't come on my videos and be like, Brass Facts right. does a lot of shooting. He knows what he's talking about. Am I logical? Sure. But you can be incredibly logical, incredibly experienced, and draw the wrong conclusion right. by a fluke of nature yeah. or just by chance or whatever, right? None of us have all the answers. We're offering you pieces to the puzzle, right? Our experience, right? Hey, this is my experience. This is what I thought of this product. Here's what I think based off of my opinion. But don't take that opinion as gospel. Take it, right? And take someone else's opinion and form, you know, use your logic and combine all that information. Because absolutely, I am wrong a noticeable percentage of the time. I am sure <laughs> I'm right a lot. Yeah, pretty cocky. Uh, but but fundamentally right. speaking, no, I'm probably not right most of the time. I am just trying my best to logic mm -hmm. my way through situations, through preparedness, and I'm hoping that man, at least maybe I got forty percent of this right, and I will adapt for that right. last sixty percent, fifty percent, forty percent. And I think that applies to a lot. A hundred percent, man. I, I like to say, you know, Roy and I always say, we're just professional students, man. I'm always here to learn. I'm greedy and I'm here to soak up all the knowledge that you got or anywhere that I can find it. So, um, well, where, where can people find you? Where can, uh, where can people find you? And also what new do you have coming on to uh, brass facts channel? Um, I mean, you can, you can comment mm -hmm. on the YouTube comment section. And uh, I, I, I generally read all the comments. Uh, I answer some, uh, and then uh, I answer most of them that ask a direct question. Instagram is generally a better place. I'm going to regret saying this, but uh, I, I answer 99% yeah. yeah. of the people that talk to me on Instagram, and I will I will work through your problem and try to get you to a satisfactory 
point. Mm-hmm. I get what it's like to be a new gun owner in this, this shit show yeah. situation. It's tough, right? So I, I, I do try to answer everyone that talks yep. to me on Instagram DMs, uh, fairly quick fashion. So that's generally an easier place to contact me if you want a conversation. YouTube sucks for conversations. Uh, new stuff that's coming. Uh, I, I kind of want to get into mm. the philosophy of use if it makes yeah. sense. Like the whole 308 shindig. Mm. Does a 308 battle rifle make sense, right? So a fighting rifle that isn't, it can do long range, but it's not necessarily configured yeah. for long range. I want to mess with that. And then also pivot off of that. You know, what does a, what do we gain for having a 308 precision right. gun over a 556 precision gun? Um, and kind of get into how that performs. And then obviously I, I mentioned that night vision laser aiming module. I'm, I'm <laughs> waffling hard. It's in the uh, I send dude, you got to let me know. You got to let me know. <laughs> uh, so that, that's the other thing. Nice, um, man. Well, cool. So. Well, thanks again for coming on to um, our, our channel and, and having this conversation. It was awesome. It's been a long time coming. Um, for, for those who uh, are just now tuning in, continue to tune into our Spotify channel. We're going to have guests uh, more often. And in fact, all of our guest episodes will be here on Spotify. If you want to check out um, more information, go check out Brass Facts on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel as well as on Instagram. You can also check out our channel. Uh, just type in Hatchet Cast or Barrel and Hatchet on YouTube as well as Instagram. Um, but yeah, man, dude, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I know we talked about it like a couple months ago, but it's been awesome to finally be able to meet you and also have you on the channel. We'll definitely have you back on, uh, on the channel again. I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, as you can tell <laughs> by the hour and 20 minute counter, sometimes I get, especially oh, when I'm yeah, hungry, dude. I get very carried away with talking. So apologies for the viewers that, uh, yeah. multiple work no worries man thanks one. again for coming on and uh we'll see you on the next one all right let's see